Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Hello and welcome to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Uh, today we have another uh, really special guest. We have archaeologist and game designer of the 2021 Kennerspiel des Jahres winning game Paleo, Peter Rustemeyer. And I know I, I mispronounced that, but how are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing great. Thank you. And thanks for having me here. Yeah, no, this is uh, something that I kind of wanted to do uh, for a while. Obviously, all, all these ideas are, but the game uh, Paleo is an extremely interesting one and you know we'll get to the game in a little bit i just kind of want to talk about you though and uh, something that's different uh for me before we get into it too is you know this is the first time uh for the the channel or the podcast that i'm interviewing somebody outside of the united states so it's morning uh for me and it's afternoon uh, for you and this is just like my first zoom call in general that's outside of the the us so that's kind of fun as well but yeah uh nonetheless i was wondering if we could just kind of start off uh talking about you and when in your life did you know that you wanted to be an archaeologist it just sort of happened like i um I was at the university and I was studying math, uh, but I didn't really feel it. Like uh, I tried, uh, I tried to work in some of the jobs that you do when you finish math. Uh, I was working at a bank, at an insurance company, and I really wasn't feeling it. Uh, so, and then a friend of mine said, "Hey, why don't you work in archaeology? That's cool. You find old stuff. Uh, you're outside. It's funny." Uh, I tried it and I just never, never lived. <laughs> so I, I didn't really study it at university. Uh, I'm sort of like uh, entered from the side is what we say in German. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's uh, I think, I think that experience is something that people go through. You know, you're, you go study something it's, it's not for you and you and you just try something else you find something that you're passionate about and and archaeology was it for you with that yeah. said do you with a little bit of that math background i so two things i don't know much about archaeology and math do you ever find any sort of overlap in uh your research or any of the projects you're working at that like zoom in on math from civilizations or history or anything like that oh there's barely any connection uh, <laughs> i can i can sometimes use my math skills uh, in archaeology uh, but it's really basic level math like uh, pythagoras uh, to track an angle <laughs> <laughs> a simple calculations if we want to understand how much soil we removed and my colleagues are <laughs> not able to do these simple <laughs> calculations so it's always me who has to do them because they are all afraid of math uh, but uh, I in my excavations I haven't encountered any relics of math of the past like that they never dug up a, a school or <laughs> something <laughs> like this 
All right, cool. I was, I was just yeah. curious. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, math uh, is going to be something that different civilizations have. Maybe, maybe you'll find that relic someday, and it'll it'll bring <laughs> it'll bring you full circle. Would be funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you did mention in that uh, response uh, excavations, so. Let's kind of talk about uh, the day to day. So, what is you know a typical day's work for you, and or um, kind of the trajectory of a a project that you're working on? So, I, I know nothing. Say say okay. as much as you want. So usually, uh, in in our area where I live, uh, there have been people for like ten thousand years, and uh, cities from like two thousand years when the Romans arrived. So lots of ground is kind of polluted with archaeology and uh, if you want to build a house and want to have a cellar beneath it uh, then you have to make sure that you don't touch archaeology uh, someone will contact you and say no you cannot just build a cellar there uh, sorry that's a dangerous place there then an archaeologist has to come and stand next to the excavator or if we know for sure that there will be something, then we come ahead of time and do it for you. Uh, this is a service that's not really a service because you have to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> that's That differs in different regions in Germany. Sometimes the state pays it, but uh, where I live, you have to pay for it. So we have lots of projects that are just someone wants to build a house and there was a medieval house 100 meters away. I just stand there, let, look what they are excavating there. And if there's nothing, I just leave and they can do whatever they want. Uh, sometimes like where, I'm, where I am now, uh, we know 100% there is something uh, and we are there like a year ahead and remove uh, big Roman remains so they can build a structure over it. Uh, and then it looks like, a, like you imagine an excavation to look like we have uh, the big excavators, we have teams of people uh, working with their brushes and shovels and whatever we do, drawings, descriptions, photos, uh, we, we make maps of the uh, finds. Yeah. We're just getting, we were kind of getting just rid of, we destroy all the archaeology. So uh, it's destroyed in the best way possible. That's kind of my job. Yeah. <laughs> we sometimes we joke uh, that we are selling expensive holes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would, of course, be much faster if you just look away and excavate blindly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's that's super interesting. So, uh, you know, because you mentioned that it's a necessity for, you know, people to, you know, get your services or, or, you know, other archaeologist services before building. Do you know how prevalent that is worldwide? How many other countries are you kind of aware of that have those types of, it seems, it seems very sensible. It seems like, you know, making sure that people uh you know aren't destroying you know things of the past or are, are messing with that history makes a lot of sense but i just don't know uh if if you know like how prevalent that is kind of worldwide 
I know from surrounding countries, or uh, some have laws like these, others don't, or uh, like uh, Belgium right next to us, they have no laws for this. You can just uh, dig it all away, or uh, or if they know it's there, then they just don't let you build there and it stays in the ground. But they don't have this uh, economy of biologists that are, <laughs> are included in the building process. And in Germany, we have just we have straight up laws for it. Oh, we said that that old stuff is oh, it's important enough that we want to have it documented, so we just do it. Oh, but really, every country is different there, and even in Germany, they are different. Okay, that's that's really great. So it sounds like you know a lot of um, your work that you do is in uh, Germany. Have any of your uh, projects like taking you anywhere like uh, in terms of like a lot of travel uh, are there any experiences like that that stick out to you uh, unfortunately not so much because nobody pays me for this <laughs> <laughs> like I could maybe uh, participate in a dig in Egypt but I would have to pay it uh, it would not be my job or it would be uh, like for studies or for hobby or whatever. Uh, whenever I'm somewhere in the world, I love to see archaeolog archaeological sites. Or I visit them all the time, but uh, I never participated. I just do my job here. Okay. So, so observing and kind of, you know, like a little not passion project because you're not partaking, but being at all these other uh, locations and checking that out. Okay, uh, you know, kind of speaking of travel, and uh, I don't want this question to seem uh, kind of super weird, but it does tie to paleo a little bit later as well. Uh, when when I'm checking out the interview, so first off, I mentioned that this is the first time I'm talking to somebody you know, not in the United States, but it's also, I mean, you're the first person where I, I kind of have a singular uh, experience or a singular connection. And that's, that is uh, your game paleo, which again, we're going to talk about later. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and that's why I reached out and I wanted to get to know you more as well. But, you know, I, I kind of want to have like this background information and well, not sound stupid, but you live in Germany and you speak uh, German and English. Uh, are there are there any other languages that you speak? I know a tiny bit French. <laughs> I learned it ten years in school, but it's all gone. I can order bread and I can say thank you. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I am. I have I have like the word jealous stuck in my mind of people that speak more than one language, but I know that I could just do some work and and figure out more languages as well but i think i think language study is just uh really fascinating and kind of same deal with me i did i did spanish in high school and and early university but once i got enough credits i was kind of done with it so you need to speak it or hear it all the time so it's for us germans it's super easy with english because we have so much access to english media uh, and we have to learn it in school. So, but then it sticks. You learn it in school, and it sticks because you uh, 
you hear English all the time. Oh, so yeah, it's kind of we just get it for free. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and well. I imagine learning German uh, would be a horrible experience. <laughs> we have so many strange uh, words and grammar rules. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, I oh, I'm not even sure if I can remember the name of this course, but one of one of like the courses that sticks out to me because I I you know, studied a lot of English. You know, that was my area, my background area. And then, you know, all over the place, theater, creative writing, English education. And one of them was, the word is escaping me. It's too early in the morning over here. But it was, I think it was a linguistics-based class. And it wasn't uh, the study of a lot of specific languages, but it was a study of, like you said, some of those grammatical patterns uh, that other languages have. So it was kind of like a case study. And it was just one of the more interesting classes that I did take. So again, when I say that I'm jealous that you and other people can speak more than uh, one language, that's just probably more work for me to do. But oh, that's that's cool. And honestly, I I wish I knew German. Maybe, maybe the experiences that these interviews have uh, like the way they impact me will inspire me to do more. So yeah, very cool. <laughs> okay. I've got just a couple more questions uh, about like archeology. span And this one, this one's a little layered. So to me, I think that archeology span is like one job or one of a few jobs that is almost the most singularly defined and maybe uh, kind of misrepresented by a film or film series. And, and by that, I mean uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, can you think of another profession that's like marked so much by a particular text, like uh, any other job that when you think of that job, you think of this book or this movie or something like that? Um, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, doctors and like man, man, one of the many series uh, like Dr. House maybe. Or... <laughs> but otherwise, no. No, it's really uh, Indiana Jones is is a love-hate thing for us. <laughs> <laughs> of course, every archaeologist loves this movie, but it's just not archaeology. They are just depicting there. <laughs> not at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's kind of kind of what I thought would would have been the general uh, consensus amongst archaeologists that it definitely is quite misrepresented, but or or the number of people that are like, wow, I I really want to get an archaeology because it's this. But I, I I really hope nobody actually thinks that though. Like I feel I feel it's like much. Uh, of the people I know working in archaeology have started to study it because of Indiana Jones. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, interesting, like, note, too. So I, I mean, honestly, I was familiar with the films uh, before I went to college, but the, the university I went to as far as I know, was one of the few in the state that actually offered an archaeology program. 
And I kind of, it wasn't going to school for a period of time and then, and then switching to uh, a different like field of study, but I, I was going for one thing and I found out that our university did have an archeology span program, but it seemed really, I don't know, but there was like a lot of things that didn't like seem to match, but it intrigued me for a while and it wasn't, it was not because of Indiana Jones, but it was just something that was in my mind. Kind of, kind of like what you had, somebody like talked about it and it seemed really interesting. So there, there's that. Okay. Um, so I think kind of exhausted a lot of the thoughts for uh, your job. A lot of like really interesting. Ooh, sorry. No, I lied. Uh, so where, Indiana Jones misrepresents uh, archaeology. Are there any uh, texts, so any sort of books, uh, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, games, movies, uh, those can either be, you know, like like a fictional movie or a documentary that you feel uh, can really show people a good representation of what a modern archaeologist uh, does or is? I think one of the better representations is the beginning of The Exorcist. Uh, there you can see uh, this must have been a real excavation where they filmed because you can see where they had their sections like the holes in the ground and you see layers of stuff uh, that is correctly marked and you see people uh, taking out stuff only from specific layers uh, so that you can date it uh, and don't lose information uh, it's but it's, it's like a five minute scene <laughs> um, there, there may be there may be some movies uh, about archaeologists I'm missing right now but usually they all show stupid treasure hunts all around the globe <laughs> and that's like not what happens <laughs> not at all <laughs> all right cool now i i mean even even though it is fleeting that does sound it sounds like an interesting thing how how you said that they must have found like an actual uh archaeological excavation site for for the first five minutes of that film i saw that movie it's been such a long time i'm gonna have I'm probably just going to watch it for the sake of the first handful of minutes because my <laughs> heart doesn't do well with any sort of like horror movies or anything like that. Well, that's, that was a really, that was a really good get. I'll, uh, I will check that out, but okay. Yeah. Speaking of kind of uh, representations and transitioning to uh, games a little bit and, and we chatted a minute uh, before and kind of, not like a full break, but like a mini pause on uh, being deep into the board gaming hobby right now. Uh, but how do you feel your work has affected the way that you view uh, like historical games or any sort of game that implements a, a quote unquote theme, uh, whether it's meant to be strongly implemented or more so loosely pasted on? Um. I'm, I like it when, when you see that they did some research or did uh, some, or uh, try to show it like it was, or, 
or sometimes I know that they didn't and I say, okay, that's that's kind of silly what you picture there. But uh, I never, never thought you have to do it. It's always a bonus for me. And even in paleo, we also, we're not really doing science here. Uh, we show some Flintstones minus dinosaurs, um, <laughs> more or less. Uh, I like my games to be thematic in a way that uh, what you're doing in the game feels kind of like a, a, trend, uh, a transposition of the real thing. So if uh, if it has a mafia theme, I want it to be a cutthroat game and not some boring uh, economy exercise. Uh, if it I don't know if it's a game set on a space planet where the trees are flying. I want to have a mechanic in the game that trees are really flying, or like something happens with resources that are moving by themselves or whatever. I I hate it when they have a cool idea and waste it and do nothing with it. So, but I also play games that have like, our theme is a medieval city and you trade for glory. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I have no issues with this. Uh, that's honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's uh, that's really neat. Mm. Okay, so I get to uh, mis mispronounce something again, but I know that when when you're uh, designing your couple of games and w more so in the hobby, and it looks like the last post on this was uh, an FAQ for uh, Paleo, but you had uh, a little blog or or WordPress titled uh, Peter's Klein Spielwelt. Is that, yes. is that close? <laughs> That's pretty close. <laughs> okay. okay. So I, well, because again, I can't read uh, German. So I click, clicked on it, obviously, and I did the nice Google Translate. But it looks like uh, you, for, for quite a time, were pretty into uh, reviewing games and and just playing them and and all that and and again has taken a little bit of a pause but i guess how did that experience uh to you help you with with your designs uh do you feel like it was kind of a good exercise to explore different you know themes and, and mechanics and find out what it was that you really liked in games while working on your own or, or anything like that if if you want to design a board game, uh, you have to play lots of board games. There's no way around it. Uh, it's kind of like learning a language. Uh, you have to you have to learn how these games are constructed, uh, what works and what does not work. Uh, there's like yeah, there's these little language things like you can trade resources for uh, X. This is like a little piece. Uh, like sometimes they will make one wood and one stone will give you a house. Sometimes in my game, it gives you a little spear. Uh, both of this is just abstract, but it's a, it's language that players understand. And bits like this, you have to learn uh, what they are because you cannot, uh, you, you have to use these basics. Otherwise your game will not work. So you have to play a lot. You also have to play a lot to see what uh, is already uh, invented <laughs> like it's so I sometimes showed <laughs> games to publishers and they were like yeah cool but this exists already <laughs> so, okay maybe I play more games maybe next time I know uh, and uh, writing about 
games I specifically always wrote about what I liked in this game or what I what I think tried to do and did it accomplish it or and this kind of helped me sort my mind or and like uh, put it in a deposit for later so that, that I can check back again what was cool in this game and maybe I can use something of it. Oh. But I stopped writing there because once you know the people, oh, you really don't want to write about oh, their games anymore. It's just strange when you meet them and you wrote that you didn't like part of their game or their whole game or it's just unnecessary trouble for everyone involved. So I just quit. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, like, yeah, it, it seems like, yeah, kind of the, the tail end of that trajectory that you mentioned of, of, you know, running into more people, whether that's uh, a particular designer or a publisher and, and you, you know, you want to be sincere and honest and you're like, this game is not for me. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well. Yeah. But no. Oh, that's cool. Maybe, again, maybe if it's uh, whether or not you ever revisit it, maybe it could be like a, a design uh, diary thing. Like I said, the last thing up on here is the that's FAQ. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe the the site will live on in some capacity in the future too but all right cool um, i have the same thing on board game geek by the way in english <laughs> you have the same thing on board game geek i have a little designer diary there <laughs> great i'll well i'll i'll check check that one out but yeah maybe oh, that's good okay speaking of like you said you played uh obviously to design you have to play uh were there any games uh for you that either uh, mechanically or the way that they did like implement the the storytelling or kind of specifically for for paleo the survival elements that were either like a direct or kind of indirect uh, inspiration for you uh -huh. I I took the basic idea that uh, you have a deck of cards and they have actions on them and uh, you pay for these actions with other cards. I took this from this war of mine. Uh, they have it like in the night phase. You can uh, walk to d different locations and uh, reveal cards there. But when you move further, you lose cards on the way. And, and I thought that's pretty cool but uh, that's just a side game here and this could be a main game with much simpler actions like just uh, pay two cards for one resource or, or not just just don't and look <laughs> at the next card uh, and then see what people come up with uh, what, I, what what I could do with it uh, but make it really simple actions and that's yeah, kind of where the journey started yeah, cool. uh, I Actually, I, I'm familiar with this or mine, both the, the video game and the board game. I actually played one of the video games for like 10 minutes and then, I don't know, I just stopped. <laughs> but I know that it is a, you know, pretty both profound world and, and striking presentation of, of that survival too. But I, I also know that 
like one of the things that people and you know me really like about uh, your game and, and the card play is that uh, the bit where I mean, okay, you get you get the three cards, you see their back, and then you don't know the front end. You kind of have to do do some probability. Uh, be like this: there's a good chance that this is good, or there's a really good chance that this is bad, and I just kind of doing that risk management. Uh, but I don't know. That was just a thought. That wasn't really a question. So uh, I guess this my... was. I hope this is kind of my idea. <laughs> <laughs> this came in very very late. Like the game was already signed, and we were working on it for one year at the publisher. They just wanted to give players more control. Uh, the the backsides were all the same uh, in the prototype. Like yeah, every danger, every resource, every way to score victory points, it was all the same back. Uh, and it was really more of a push-your-luck game. You, you knew there were dangers out there, you knew, knew there were rewards, but uh, you just played on and looked what you found. And uh, then we came up with this idea uh, to show like Okay, here's wood on the background on the backside, so you will find things related to the forest at least. So you have at least a little side information now, and uh, this also helped a lot with balancing because now we could uh, have dangerous stuff that uh, doesn't surprise kill you, but you know what you're getting into. Uh, so yeah, it's, it makes the game a lot less swingy. And we kind of stick with it, and it worked flawlessly. I, I truly that's that's uh, super interesting that it did come in so late. I mean, I think, like you said at the beginning of that, like hopefully, hopefully that comes through. But I think, I think what it also does is creates like many many scenes in your head too. So you're exploring. It's like, do I want to go check out like more wooded area? Do I want to explore a camp area? Do I want to? Uh, check out like the mountains and then especially mm -hmm. if you have a, a partner or or a teammate and you're kind of well together doing your own thing and and working and and they encounter like a a mammoth that they have no no means of taking care of or you can't help out with and they're like well we'll leave you in the background over there we'll come we'll come to the river with you and help <laughs> help you get resources there it's just it creates mm -hmm. really fun and uh, kind of like emergent uh, scenes, which is really neat. Yeah, that's kind of the two reasons this game exists. Uh, the first one is people people talk. Uh, it's this game makes everybody open their mouth uh, and talk about the game, but with in-game words. Like it's it's all it all is so natural to do. Like okay, help me hunt, uh, and not uh, I need two icons to get three cubes or oh, they always players always talk in the theme uh, when they play this game uh, and publishers that playtested it also did <laughs> so they <laughs> really liked it uh, and the other thing is that uh, I don't need to tell stories like I don't have to write texts on cards uh, the both the theme and uh, the mechanics uh, kind of work easily together and uh, you you understand that what uh, the game wants from you very fast uh, like what so the story jumps at you uh, without me writing it down yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I, you know, when I reached out to you, I mentioned the, you know, the emergent uh, storytelling that's what stuck out to me. And I mean, it's obvious. I mean, I think it would stick out to anybody. It, it wasn't like a discovery or anything, but mm -hmm. you mentioned uh, the games and this isn't to say that, you know, games with pages of text or cards worth of text uh, can't be effective. But I think, you know, within the context of your game, having having just well honestly like would you would you say that obviously the rule book and the cards have titles but it's a pretty language independent game for the most part yeah kind of or we didn't want to have icons for every obscure actions so sometimes we use text uh, yeah let's say uh draw three, three cards, look at them, put them back in any order. Uh, I just, that comes up once in a hundred games. I don't yeah. want you to learn an icon for it. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, there's uh, most of the actions are fairly straightforward. Yeah. So so again, kind of like, like what you said, people then wind up talking in in the language of the game. Help help me hunt. Uh, let's avoid this let's do this together you know everything like that that's really fascinating are there are there any uh are, are there any examples of you kind of like observing uh people playing your game that really like stuck out to you just that brought you joy seeing them experience the game that you the way you wanted it to be and and all those moments or is there i mean i'm sure there's plenty but there are there any that really uh stuck out to you in that way it's i, I always like it when i go to a, a con and see it on the table or uh, i am in a kind of professional board game club like i pay money to be in there and we have events there and so, and the people there know that I'm in the club, but uh, they they play it not for me. They play it because they like the game, and I always like when I see it on the table. Uh, and uh, other than that, of course, there were some some really great reviews. Uh, Space that Biff wrote an amazing review about the game. He completely understood what I wanted to do with the game or to achieve with the design. Uh, it was crazy. I also liked the shut up, shut up and sit down one, of, even though it was a bit controversial <laughs> in the end. <laughs> but I really liked it. Uh, and I think they also liked the game very much. Uh, yeah. I I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, every everything that you said that you tried to capture in the way that, you know, uh, Dan in his review wound up playing or seeing the game that the way you want it to see it. I think that's obviously uh, kind of kind of universal for the most part. I mean, not everybody's going to like everything, but mm. you know, it was very critically claimed. You won the Kenner Spiel, and I I hope that if I hope gamers uh, entering uh, the hobby and are looking for something that is cooperative and and different. I, I think it is unique, very unique. Can get directed uh, to your game, so those 
moments and those stories can just keep keep going on. It's it's not exactly the most beginner friendly game though. <laughs> we have plenty of, of feedback and reviews from people who absolutely hated it, but they were like only playing uh, the simplest Uno or stuff like this, <laughs> the simplest games possible before. <laughs> so I'm sorry, we have <laughs> we have 20 pages of rules for a reason. Indeed, <laughs> it's it's definitely it's a step up for you know if yeah. if you're gonna tell a family like hey you want to do a fun family experience it's a bit of a jump but i honestly the last time that i was revisiting the game and i've played a lot of games too so i mean i think that that does change my experience a little bit i you know followed followed the rules to do the setup and then i just looked at the one page that shows the example turn Okay. And yeah. I'm like, well, okay. I I'm 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 back in it. No worries. So we'll do. <laughs> this will work and you know, anything else I need to reference I can. And again, that's that's coming from a different uh perspective. That's me yeah. understanding different game mechanics more than you know, people coming from Uno or Yahtzee, whatever. But well, nonetheless, I mean I Yahtzee. Yahtzee <laughs> yeah. was the example I was looking for. It's, it's a completely different name in German, so I always forget it. <laughs> what what's uh what's the name of it in German? Uh it, it's the one where you go in a circle and kick each other out, right? Or what is Yahtzee? Yahtzee is where you roll six six dice, six dice, I think, and you or five, and you try to get either like a run of five. Or a full house. Or... Okay, yeah, that's Kniffel. Okay. Uh, and what do I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you'll think of it. I'll I'll make yeah. e email me when when you yeah. let me know. What yeah. But yeah, uh, like I said, I you know the the storytelling to me, and this isn't. This isn't going to be spoilery for potentially anybody get introduced to uh, the game, but I think that the the secrets for the different scenarios are 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 a nice touch, and you know they're they're crafted moments. You know there are things where like if you do X, then Y is going to happen, but when that Y happens, it's like oh, that makes sense. And the game is the game is a lot of random on top of random, or so we can never guarantee that you find cards in a specific order. So we needed a system like this. Or this the only way to have real consequence, or or to have one card followed by another, was to say, okay, now you take another deck of cards and reveal card number seventeen, please. Mm -hmm. or, there are whole games that only work like this, like these old adventure books where you're running around in dungeons and if you want to turn left and read at page 233. <laughs> uh, it's kind of what this is. Uh, but it's we, we just needed this element to have surprises in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just yeah, kind of kind of like little little snapshots uh yeah. through all the other adventures and ways that the cards I, I don't know. I'm just like I said, game is is super interesting to me, and I, I talked to you 
well, in our initial correspondence that I've played the game by myself, which is how I play most of my games, to be fair. But I really think that my my wife would be interested in this one from like a like a thematic standpoint too. But she just she just wants to beat me in in every game we play, so <laughs> we don't touch many cooperative games. I think a bit back we played one one little uh, tutorial for uh, mechs versus minions, and she's like, "Oh, I like that." And then ever since we've just been playing uh, competitive games where she beats me. So I guess <laughs> I guess that's what what it is. But no, I'll I'll definitely keep push nudging. I won't push. I'll nudge. Okay, I just got a. A couple kind of final questions for you. This might be uh, a little bit dated. So I, I was on your uh, Board Game Geek profile page and looking at your little uh, micro badges, you said that you like to have a drink when you play some games. Uh, do you have a, a drink of choice or is that no longer? Uh, it's usually beer. <laughs> That's also depicted in the micro badge. <laughs> Yes, that that is the yeah. the drink in the micro band. <laughs> that's that that's from university times. Oh, we had always these gaming nights, and there was a lot of beer. Uh, empty beer bottles empty at the end of the evenings. <laughs> um, I think you know people people probably think Germany, and, and they think. You know, beer as as a drink of choice. Is there is a particular beer that like either from university experience or or now that uh, stands out to you as your your beer of choice? You will probably not know the brand. Oh. <laughs> I'll I'll look it up. <laughs> okay, it's Augustina. It's from Bavaria. It's my favorite one. I don't live there. I live in Cologne. That's the other side of Germany, but that's just the best beer in Germany. All right. Well, once once I go to Germany, which I, I have to do, I mean, I got to travel more. I will wind up having the best beer in Germany. Okay. And a, a wrap-up question, and this is something uh, we kind of talked about, well, movie representation of of archaeologists a bit but the one thing that i want to wrap up for uh, any guest is just having you uh talk about anything that you've been you know reading uh watching listening to just watched uh consumed in any way that's kind of like stuck out to you as a like a meaningful media experience I recently finished reading the trilogy. It starts with Three Body Problem, uh, and then Dark Forest, and then I don't know what it's called in English. Uh, it's about it's from a Chinese author, and it's about a, an incoming alien invasion. But because space is so big, they take like four hundred years to get to Earth. Uh, the aliens, and then it. Uh, here he shows how old earth reacts to this threat that's looming in the background like say they are hopeful that okay i will be dead before they arrive so i don't care but uh governments try to build armies to fight the aliens and everything 
and it was really interesting how humanity as a whole deals with this problem and then in later books uh, how they deal with it once the aliens arrive uh, <laughs> Okay. What what did you say the the first book in that uh, series was? It should be called Three Body Problem. Uh, that's the, that's oh. a direct translation of the German title. Yep. Yeah. No. Perfect. Three okay. Body Problem by I'm I've already mispronounced too many things. I'm Even not going to try to. I'm not going to try to pronounce the author's. It name. was. Uh, can I see it from here? Sijin yeah. Yan or something like this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh no that. I think the the last couple of people I talked to, I've got a book recommendation, so I just go onto Goodreads and then I add it to the Wanda Read, and and I do, and and that's kind of yeah one of the things that I want to do with this is just get exposed to uh, different books, different things that people are interested in, and from from the last one, and I, I'm actually like trying to be active in the pursuit of doing this. I was recommended the video game uh, Pentiment. Are you familiar with that one? No. Okay. It's I kind of late medieval scribes. I'm probably butchering the premise, but the like the artists who work in uh, drawing in the margins of. Uh, like religious texts and things like that. It's again, that's me butchering the premise really bad because I don't have the the language to actually describe it. But I I've, I've dabbled so far and it's it's interesting. I just haven't played too many video games lately. Cool, but yeah, three body problem is getting added to the list. But all right, <laughs> all right. Well, um, you know, we mentioned that you know, kind of on a, a little pause from from the gaming world a little bit but there at the very least might be a design uh coming out from you in the next couple of years so hopefully well no yeah hopefully things go well there and you know anybody that is a fan of you know your work and and paleo has something to look forward to yeah and hopefully we make some more paleo content too because why not <laughs> yeah a why not and b i think i don't think anybody's going to complain yeah. <laughs> awesome well like thank you so much for your time uh, i really enjoyed uh, learning about uh, you your job and and then just also your uh, your design process and what it was that you tried to do with the game and I, I really look forward to playing that more. Thank you for getting up so early. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is. Well, good. It just had to shake off some of the cobwebs. So when I listen back, I'll have to make sure that my brain is, is actually functioning <laughs> when I, when I listen to my words, but who knows it is, it is done. And I, yeah, like a ton of really interesting insight from you. And I, I really look forward to listening back to this and, and hearing that again so well thank you again and i will be signing off now okay bye bye <laughs> thank you so much for listening to intertextual cardboard experience feel free to reach out via email which is vod at gmail.com or check out my instagram with the same name there's not much on there right now but i'm looking forward to working on the instagram 
and other forms of social media and a website a little bit more in the future. Until then, keep playing, watching, reading, listening, uh, experiencing. Thank you.